So everybody and welcome back to How to Run a Good Walk and we are now on episode 17. We have good friend, uh, the president, Matthew Nixon on the show. Why we all? Some nickname that. Some, Some nickname that. Mm. You've, uh, you've not done bad with that one to be fair. We, we might get like, on. To be fair, I've had more nicknames than Soft Nick. I've been called everything under the sun. So president is... Uh, Sid the Sloth, I think, has been one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so pre- President's one of the better ones, is it? Yeah, it's not. It's although when people say, oh, why are you called the President? It gets a bit older and you have to explain that there was a President called. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Our kid, as I like to call him. <laughs> so just to kind of set the scene, everybody, uh, I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with Matt uh, when I was caddying for Tom um, in practice rounds, mainly at dinner tables and sort of um, sharing. Had a great time, didn't we, love? Oh, had an absolute ball, <laughs> young sir. <laughs> uh, and share, sharing accommodation, which is absolutely class. So we're going to dive into a bit of Matt's career today and what's happening in the future, uh, as well as getting him to pick out what we think or who he thinks is going to be this week's winner at the Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer Invitational. Okay, but... Matt, so basically we start off with the first thing we do every week is Chopper of the Week. Yeah. Um, and I want to count, I don't know, you probably not even, might not even remember this, but when I was, uh, I came to watch what well, came to what I actually to do like a video segment on my ch- YouTube channel yeah. um, at the British Masters. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you and your kid at the time. So uh, I don't know what hole it was. It was after the par five. You're like, oh, I hit my driver off here. Three, I think it was. Uh, oh, remember it well. Oh, it? I <laughs> if, I, if memory serves you right, I... Uh... Absolutely whiffed one down the second, short of the 260 bunker, which is highly embarrassing. About. <laughs> <laughs> People are at it 350 yards these days. But we'll, we'll say we left the head cover on. It was a nice five wood anyway. Um, lovely execution of strategy down there, though, if memory served me right. It was a two foot par anyway. And then uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think me and my caddy were trying to be, Mr. Swales were trying to be uh, clever and stuff, and you know. Could be a three iron and stuff, but then I'd probably have about 500 yards into the green on the third. So uh, I thought I'll let driver, and I think I spooned it into the tr- into the rubbish on the right, which was, uh, if I'm going to hit a golf shot, right is never normally the play. It's normally a quick snap up left. Ball. You know what, though? I I was saying about me when you allowed me to hit one off the tee, and you've just thrown yeah, yourself I'm under the bus here. Yeah, I wasn't even meaning you. Well, I, listen, I like to throw myself under the bus. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at anyway? That's a very good point. It, it's a true point, sir. So true. come on then, Alex, what did you do? How did you make a fool of yourself? It pretty much sounded like the same thing. High right spoon. So basically, you've been given a chance. You've, you're in a practice round. Got the boards behind me. I'm like, Matt, get me a nice photo. I've made it. Professional. I've, I've made, made it. it. I, it was in that moment I thought there was a vocation calling for me as cameraman, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> back, back off, all right? That's my job. Uh, <laughs> You better watch yourself, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so you've basically um, had that. Matt's giving you that chance. Yeah. And you've absolutely crumbled. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I had one chance because there's people behind us. And it's quite a narrow, like, shoot this hole. Like, I don't know what hole the actual members of play as. Um, and I've hit it, like, so high, right, and so short. Oh, no, I think I know the one now. It was six, wasn't it? Yeah. It was quite a way in, like a dog leg, a little bit of a dog leg hole. Yeah. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, I think you went onto the fifth, to be fair. Yeah, I did. You know, it was another one of my lost balls, to be fair. <laughs> £2.50 that cost. Uh, I'll send you the invoice for that one. <laughs> okay, so enough of my story. And you know you throw yourself under the bus. But we want to hear a funny story from you. Doesn't have to be about you. Just a funny story from you. Uh, Something well, juicy. Well, Come on. So, not it's not a funny story. But, there's a, you know, like over the years and stuff, I remember one that springs to mind. So... The first, well, I'm playing at Glen Eagles, um, and so I've made the cut, played well for the first two rounds, to be fair. I think this was, must have been either 2012 or 2013. So, obviously, I've made the cut. I think I was out in the morning, so I'm looking at the scores, comfortably made the cut. They're the afternoons that you want. And uh, I'm looking at the scores and thinking, you know, who I'm going to be drawn with, because you're always next to whoever you are on the leaderboard anyway. So, waiting and waiting. Halfway through the afternoon, my name is right next to Colin Montgomery. So I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to be drawing money now in his back garden, loads of people. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, we don't want it. Like, you just want a nice cruising sort of someone nice to play with. Nobody there. You can just get on with your game of golf and stuff. Anyway, so I know that I need to finish on the odds in order to miss Monty. And if I finish on evens, so in like 30 seconds, I'm going to play with him. 
Anyway, comes down to the last person. I'm there, glued. Normally, I'm glued to the scoreboard. Have I finished 127th out of 136? But at this particular moment in time, it was... Anyway, turns out I'm playing with Monty. So, third round, I think it was a Saturday at Glen Eagles. In his back garden. I think we're off about 11 o'clock or something. Anyway, so, go through my warm-up. Get on the putting green and stuff. Monty rolls up about 20 minutes before his tea time. I'm thinking... He's not turned up. Who? He's not turned up. <laughs> he's, done me. he's done me. He's scared. He's scared him off. Oh, I thought he's taking this very seriously. He's not even here 20 minutes before. Anyway, <laughs> about three shots on the range. So I see him. I'm eyeballing him. Like, there he is. There he is. There he is. Anyway, so I, I walk on the first tee with about 10 minutes to go. I'm a bit, bit nervous, sweating a little bit. Hands are a bit clammy. I'm thinking, Monty, eight time order America. So I was standing on the first tee with Ivor Robson and Ivor's there clearing his throat as he normally does. And so so uh, on walks Monty and I'm like, so he strolls up and he sticks his hand out and his hand is like an absolute shovel. I mean, it is humongous. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I feel like a little kid at this moment in time. How old were you at the time then? How old were you at the oh, time? I must have been 24, 25 at the time. And he just goes there. Uh, Colin Montgomery, pleased to meet you. And I'm like, I know who you are, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he engulfs my hand anyway. And then, cut a long story short, Ivor lets us go. So he gives it the old, okay, gentlemen, I'll let you go. Gives it the old clear of the throat on the tee from Scotland. Colin Montgomery, off he goes. Lovely little fade down the left side. Perfect. Couldn't have walked down there and put it there. I might say he's in it about 2.35, which was long for months that day. Um, so... <laughs> I go, I'm thinking, yes, I might be the longest in the group today. <laughs> so, go up, put the tee peg in the ground, put the ball on, ball falls off. Oh. Act cool, act cool. <laughs> put the ball up, put it back on. Ball falls off. Back. Oh, no. <laughs> pull it together, man. Pull it together. Anyway, the third time, it does it again. <laughs> One of the members from the golf club behind me is behind the boards. He was about the only two people watching at this moment. You're nervous, Matt. I thought, you can say that again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember much about the tea shop. I actually started Birdie Birdie, but there you go anyway. Oh, that's all right. Oh, oh my God. God. You yeah. like, feel like the Ryder Cup here, playing yeah. with Monty. Yeah. Yeah. It, was like, it was like my FA Cup final, and Monty couldn't care less. But then, <laughs> yeah, I played 18 older Monty. He had a great laugh. He's laughing at himself. We're walking up, we're walking up the 11th, and my caddy at the time, Doug Dinwiddie, says to him, uh, so, Colin, what football team do you support? And he says, uh, oh, yes, yes, sir. I'm a Leeds fan. I'm thinking, Leeds? I'm like, I'm sure you're from Scotland, mate. And he's like, he said his dad used to be the MD of Fox's Biscuits. And then he goes, it was wonderful. He used to bring all the biscuits home. He's like, that's why I'm a fat bastard. I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> absolute having a crack. And then, uh, then I saw him. I'm like, shake hands with him on the 18th. Thanks, Colin. Really enjoyed that. And to be fair, like, I know we've digressed in here, but what a player like I've never played with anybody I've like I've played with some good golfers but in terms of controlling of his golf ball nobody has come close to being as in control of a golf ball as he has it was unbelievable um but yeah I saw him the next day and he's uh went to like give him a wave and I am onto you and he's just give me the full-on custard pie I was like oh <laughs> embarrassing that one so but there you go anyways so were you the longest in the group? That is a big question. I was, actually, yeah. I mean, but that, that's what I mean is like, he, when you play, like, playing with someone so great, I mean, obviously at the time he was probably, I think he must have just turned 50. So he, he was around, if he wasn't on the senior store, he was certainly around that. But, and he hit it probably two, like it, every single shot with the driver was 235, 240. Started literally up the left-hand side of the fairway and just every single shot was just, it was like, the best way I can describe it, it was like Phil Taylor just throwing a dart. It was just like, he just released it down the left and everything had just fade back into the middle of the fairway. And if he missed it, a bad shot was in like the right-hand side of the fairway. It was unbelievable. And uh, I'll talk about the 10th shot that, on the 10th at some point later in this podcast. But honestly, like just incredible ball control, incredible ball control. But didn't do, any, didn't do anything that you were like, wow, that's amazing. Just did, just so in control of what he did. He knew his game, he knew how to play it and did it unbelievably well. So was that like one of your first years out on tour when you, when you first like 
Uh, no, I think that was that was either my third or fourth year on tour. So I had like a couple of years where you know, like getting out there, nobody, and that that was the first. I think that was the first, either the first or second year that I kept my card out there. So I really felt like I'd established myself and kind of yeah, kind of thing. Which is like That's it's crazy. it's it's a hard thing to do. That I know we're not going. This is this is a chopper of the week section, but like. To keep your card for a year and year, like for those two years that you did, it, it's not easy, is it? Like, no, I mean, listen, it's you see people. Listen, confidence is a great thing, and it's like you see, you know, people that are ready to go. You know, they come, they turn amateur. You know, you look at like Morikaru, who's one now, and a lot of the guys that come from America, and it's like they're professionals before they're professionals. They they turn pro and they're ready to play. And it's like I was a good amateur, but I kind of felt like I like looking back I wasn't prepared to play professional golf like all year round worldwide kind of thing I wasn't I like, looking back I don't feel like I was good enough to sort of you know compete and I wasn't ready and that was my fault because I never really pushed myself as an amateur to be as good as I could be so I kind of got out there you know I, I played well at tour school and it suited me down the ground and I was playing well and rode that like wave to get there and then I played nicely to start my career, but then sort of when I stopped playing nicely, I didn't know how to get back to playing nicely and know how to sort of put it right. And the things that I needed to do for me to, you know, give myself the best chance of playing well. And it took me, it took me probably two and a half, three years to like find the right people to, you know, like put in and short game and do the right things and come up with my, the best way of getting the best out of me week in week out over the course of a year in all different conditions and golf courses and stuff and, and really feel like I belong kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's difficult, you know, like there's so many good players out there, Yeah. you know, it, it, and the people that think they're going to do, you know, you, you could, you walk up down the range of a tour event now and it's like, there'll be people there that strike it so much better than the people that you see winning, but the people that do the winning, believe they're going to do the winning kind of thing. And it's yeah. like, it is such a, you know, like you look at like Tyrrell Hatton, Tyrrell is, it, it, when they're going, when, when he gets a chance of win, he is so impressive with how he goes about, you know, it's almost like it, it doesn't phase him. You know what I mean? He, he relishes it and thrives on it. And sort of, you know, certainly when he was in Abu Dhabi, it looked, it looked easy. You know what I mean? Same with Morikawa. It's like, they make everything look so easy. And it's like, if you go and play them golf courses and look at the golf shots that he's in, and you think, oh, he's playing, you know, winning prize was $1.8 million, I think, last yesterday, wasn't it? It's like, yeah. when there's water left and you're starting it in the water, fading it off it, it's... Poof, it's I was saying the same thing as any one place I'm in this. Well, but that's the thing is, but when you look at it, I mean, they make it look so easy. You know, I was watching it yesterday and I'm thinking, poof, there'd be a couple of my balls in that water on the left. <laughs> but, it, you know, they, they don't, you know, they're, when they're good players, when they're playing well, they don't let bad shots that they've hit in the past affect them when they're playing well, if that makes sense. So, and to watch him, like, literally put it on cruise control and hit and execute them golf shots, it's one, it's one thing saying, you know, being told by you kind of hit it in the middle of the green, but it's another thing hitting the middle of the green when you've got all that, you know, there's, there's literally danger all around kind of thing and being able yeah. to execute with and have the clarity of thought when all them things are running through your head, you know, trying to win, you've got other people, other yeah. world-class players trying to, you know, come up and snatch it off you. Yeah, there's so much money involved and stuff. But Yeah, we, we yeah, spoke before um, about how it's such a mental game over anything else. Really. Yeah, technique's all important and being a good golfer is important, but it's being mentally strong and being yeah, in those positions that... Definitely, Josh. I mean, you, you see... There's, there's definitely unbelievably talented people and strikers and play, you know, that you'll play with people in practice and, you know, and, and then it's like the gun goes off and then you never hear of them and you're like, well, why? But it's um, playing professional golf and competing week in, week out and being a world-class golfer, you have to be a very, you know, they are special, special golfers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into a special golfer here. Yes. So let's get on to Tiger Woods. Now, yeah. I remember when he won the um, – I've forgotten what event it was, but I literally we're driving to Matt and Rachel's, and uh, we're all sat in the, in the front lounge at yours. Oh, watching it was the Masters, 2019 it... Masters. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. How did you forget that? Christ. Right. <laughs> well, 
we, we, it was, I mean, we just moved in and it was like, uh, we were going to have a master's party. And then they, yeah. I think you were teaching or something. And then they went out early and you caught about the last two holes or something. So oh they, yeah. Came out early because the oh, weather, didn't they? And yeah. We, we got royally, uh, did you over there, Cruddler? Two days, uh, two, two holes. Oh my god! Moving on swiftly. I wasn't going to do that. As well. uh, <laughs> I apologize. We'll but get anyway, Tiger, Tiger, like boyhood hero for all three of us, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, like some of the player reactions this week from like McElroy. McElroy came out and said like he's pretty much the reason why he plays golf. Yeah. Marokawa, a reason why he plays golf, and probably the reason why people are as professional as they are today. Well, I think McElroy went one step further and said he is the reason that golf is what it is. He's the reason that the, the, reason that the majority of them are there. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's, it's like anything, you know, like when he was in his prime, I never, never really liked him, but I don't think, you know, I was always a massive Ernie Els fan. And it was like when he, was dominating. It was like you almost wanted somebody else to come along and challenge him, kind of thing. It was, but yeah. I don't think even people that liked, it, I don't think anybody appreciated how good he actually was. Like, I mean, it was. And looking back at the golf, you know, you watch his highlight reel and like you go on YouTube and search Tiger. Just put in Tiger. He hit so many good shots. There's and there is nobody you can. You can have Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kopka, people like that. There is nobody in the game of golf that has the same look, feel. Just he looks like he was born with a golf club in his hand. Like, yeah, yeah. There is honestly, like I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. But it's oh, like don't uh, he, don't he, just, he just literally epitomizes golf. And it's like I think Brooks Kopka said it. Like he said, I hope he gets back because we need him. And it's like there is no other sport that I can think of where he has done more for the game yeah, and yeah. you know it's almost like we do need him it's like it, it, there's just there is something there is something special about Tiger Woods massively yeah. and that's whether you watch it on TV and it's like yeah, I mean I've been fortunate to play in one tournament that he's playing in and that was Dubai Desert Classic in which was like I think it would have been 2014 or 2013 it's the 25th anniversary anyway they invited all the past winners from the 20 25 years and um there was like a this is just a like a little quick story but it probably won't be quick for me anyway um <laughs> so on the Tuesday of the event they had like a, an exhibition game of all the past 25 winners so they shut the range, I think, for like an hour so they could have a warm-up to go and play. So I'm still on the back of the range, like, talking to some of the caddies. And um, next minute, like, this stampede of people, like, you're thinking, well, what's all this commotion? Like, normally on a Tuesday in Dubai, there'd be, like, 10 people on the range, you know, like, watching or something. Like, not, not really many people about, you know, Tuesday's a practice day. You might get the odd people, odd member floating around or whatever, but... As a general rule, you wouldn't really get that many people, certainly watching on the range. But then literally within a matter of thing, within a matter of a minute, it's gone from nobody on the range to like 10 deep, like the grandstand that they had completely full. And I'm like, what's going on here? Then on walks Tiger Woods. And I'm not joking. The entire range, players, caddies, manufacturer reps, officials were just like like fixed on him like it was like a, he strolled on t-shirt shades on hat back to front like josh is now That's looking it. absolutely cool as a cucumber and i'm like oh my god it's tiger woods and it was like everyone was like oh my days it's tiger woods and he's like strolled up to freddie couples giving him a little fist bump and he's like hey man you're all right like and I'm stood over here like 20 yards away thinking, oh my God, it's Tiger Woods. Oh my God, it's Tiger Woods. <laughs> anyway, and I'm watching him and it's like everyone is just looking at him and he starts clipping a few wedges away. And it's just, he just, it, it looks on the range, it is effortless. It's just, it's like the best, the best golf shot you could possibly hit. Like when you just like, you middle it and it just comes off perfect. Every single shot he hit was just like, and it was like, oh my god! And for about for about fifteen minutes, I have not looked. I've not looked at anybody else. Like 
a bus could have gone past me and I wouldn't have even noticed it. Anyway, so after about 15 minutes, I turn around and I'm stood down the barrel of Ernie L's. Like he's literally 10 yards in front of me. I'm watching him hit five irons, pure as you like. And nobody cared. Nobody cared in that minute that Ernie Els was there because Tiger Woods was 20 yards down the yeah. road. God. And it's like, that is, you just, there's nobody that can come close to it. Nobody that comes close to it. He is, he is the greatest and always will be the greatest in my eyes. And it's like, he, he there's something special. And this is the thing for me on that is, as a club golfer, a golf fan, that reaction there that you just showed would be my reaction. I'd be one of those following him and watching him. Yeah. And the fact that the players on tour, like yourself, you've... You, I think you've they still done, would do that now, wouldn't they? This is the thing. You, oh, in that situation, you've done all the work. You deserve to be there. You're in that, that position on the range, playing in that event, yet you're like... Oh, I think I think if I got drawn with him and he shut my hand, I don't think I'd wash it. I mean, <laughs> like, listen, I ain't washing this, mate. Probably faint as well. It needs some CPR or something to get going again. But it's um, but I think it's like anything. I think you know, obviously people people have a help. You know, people are obviously still starstruck by him and stuff. And I I, I still think even you know you. The people that growing up that are world class golfers now still understand how good Tiger Woods was, but it's like as he's got older, he's definitely softened and sort of he's become more approachable to them players. And I think it's almost like they probably, you know, you like said Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, people like that were probably Justin Thomas. They were probably still a bit starstruck when they met him, but it's like he's welcomed them in. You know, whether that be because they played Ryder Cups or you know, I think Tiger as he's got older and he's had kids, he's sort of realize that he doesn't have although he's still the main attraction it's for other reasons now you know what i mean people wanting to see tiger is great he's not although he still could be the world number one and he you know he plays you know he's still good enough to win i think he's he's realized that he's not going to dominate like everyone else and he's, he's happy to share with certain people like is his secrets that he did when he was in his prime, you know, like Mickelson and Els, they were like, he treated them like arch rivals and stuff. And it's like, yeah. you read books and, and stuff from like, you know, Hank Haney and Stevie Williams and stuff that have written about him. And he'd do anything to play a mind game on stuff, you know, hit, hit, a, hit, he'd hit it 30 yards past people and be like, Oh, I normally hit it further than that. And then it's like, Oh, I'd, he'd get on a par three and he'd hit two clubs more and he'd hit pin eye just to mess with them and stuff. You know what I mean? That's how good he was and how much he was in their heads kind of thing. But Yeah. And it, that's that for me, what is what sets him apart as the greatest. It wasn't just the being unbelievable at golf. It was everything else that went with it. Yeah. Like beating people before you've even started. That's serious. Question is though, will he play again? And then on the top of that, will he be able to compete again? Because to me, they're like two different things. Well, I mean, for me, it's like, I think you only have to look at what he went through with his back. I mean, how many people, from my point of view, having played professional golf is like, when you see somebody that gets like to a stage where he was with his chip and I mean, he was like, had the yips, you know what I mean? No question about it. Like he literally couldn't make contact with the golf ball. And he's obviously had all them procedures on his back and stuff. And I'll be the first to say I was, I never thought we'd see Tiger Woods play anywhere near like good enough to compete on tour again but for him to a get healthy sort his back out and then come back and win but he win three times including a major yeah. yeah who knows who knows i mean nobody knows other than a few people in the world probably know how bad that injury is kind of thing um but i think it's like anything you've got to take it with with everything involved it's like like what Rory says, it's lucky that somebody's, you know, a, a dad is there for his children to grow up because it could have easily quite been, you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But then on the same breath, it's like what Bruce Kopka said, I think he said, it's like if anybody can do it, Tiger Woods is going to go about it. And you can, you know, you bet your bottom dollar, he's probably sat there wherever he is now thinking, how can I get myself fit, healthy again, and how can I compete? Whether or not it's bad enough that he can't do that, who knows? But I think the good thing is at least he's it wasn't any worse and he's not lost his life and stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. And he's mentioned previously, like with his back injuries, using his hero Ben Hogan, and like he had that he had a car crash and he came back. And it's almost like, like you said, if anyone, and like Brooks Kepke said, if anyone's going to do it, Tiger Woods will do it. He'll be back and they'll be playing. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, it'd be it'd be sad if we never saw him again. But also, I think we've got to realize at some point in the future, you know, he's he's what is he forty five now? I think it's like. We're probably not going to see him play golf one day, which is a crying shame for us all. But there's, there's the thing is, is that we're almost spoiled nowadays because where he was, the Dustin Johnson. Well, the, where, where Tiger was, I think he was like the difference between him and Will number two was the same as like Will number two and Will number six hundred or something. Yeah, you know what I mean, he was that much better than everyone else. It's like we've almost got. When <laughs> you think about it, it's ridiculous. I mean. Yeah. Uh, but it's like there's almost like 10 world number ones at the moment you know what I mean and it's like any one of them that plays well for a period of time if the others aren't quite on it they end up world number one you know it's chopped and changed so much I think DJ's been there for a little bit now but you know if John Ram plays well for a little bit and DJ takes his eye off the ball John Ram will go back there and you know Justin Thomas and all players like that so yeah I think that he's made golf what it is today um and it's, you know, but it'd be nice to see him back, I think. Yeah. So let's go in back to you, Matt, here. And let's take you back to when you were a little boy. Gonna massage your ego <laughs> here, Matt. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Nobody wants to go back there, do they? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, won the boys' amateur championship in 2006. Uh, and if you put a good uh, little Google of that photo into uh, Google, everybody, Matt, Matt Nixon. Yeah, plenty, plenty of room to grow into them clothes yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a photo. Orange top, I think, I believe, is oh, it? Young man, oh, lovely, sir. No. <laughs> Suit you, sir. I, I, put, I actually helped the traffic get in in the morning. Before. <laughs> and um, me and Josh have been doing a little bit of research, and you got as high as 14th in the amateur world rankings. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I can't really remember, mate, but... It's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's like I, I, you know, I had a good amateur career, and it's like I didn't really feel I won the British Boys, but I didn't really feel like I won. Well, I didn't win anything else really other than that. And it's like, but and I thought I was really good at golf. I thought I was really, really good at that period in time. But it's like as soon as you turn pro, no one cares what you've done as an amateur. You like get there, and it's like. Who's this young upstart? Like, nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares what you've done and stuff. And it's like, you go from a big fish in a little pond all of a sudden to a little fish in a seriously big pond and stuff. And it's like, I've forgotten kind of what it is an amateur because you sort of focused on what's in front of you and, and rather than what you've done kind of thing. But, but surely um, that, like, focus on what you've done is should give you confidence because some of the people, like, in your, I guess, year group, yeah. well, you, you, you'd be playing on tour with them now. Like you'd have played through whether when you were in 2016, 2017, 2011, going through all that period, like there would have been other people like you played amateur golf with. Yeah, I guess it's like, from my point of view, it's like you never really, because you're living it and it's like your life kind of thing, you never really sit back and appreciate what you've done. You know, like to be fair, like with this pandemic and stuff, it's like I've had, as a professional golfer, you never, it's literally as soon as you turn pro to when you retire, it's like, the majority of it is you keep going, you know what I mean? You never have a period of time to sit back and put your feet up. Oh, my feet have been up for that long, but just like, re- you know, reflect on what's gone well, what's gone bad, what you can do better kind of thing and see, you know, implement them things. But it's like, yeah, I never really sat down and thought about what I'd achieved as an amateur or what I'd achieved as a professional or anything. You, Cause you just sort of, you're always getting on with it and thinking, well, how do I get better? And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or how good you've got, you know, like, you know, you always want more. It's like, you know, whether that's me, you know, Eddie, who I played against, you know, Tommy and stuff, no matter what situation you get to, you always want more kind of thing. And it's always like, you're always trying to get better and stuff and looking for that secret that's going to make you um, get to that next level kind of thing. Just on that, that secret to get to the next level. So we've spoke previously on the pod about how hard it is to get onto the European tour, yeah. especially through like the tour school and everything like that. And you've, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've gained your professional card through tour school four times in 2011, 12, 16, 17. Yeah, I th- well, I think it might, is it four? I, th- I thought it was five, but there you go. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, there. Oh, there. Oh, there. Oh, there. I've been there. 
it's not a record that you want to have. I can guarantee you that. You want to do no. it once and that's it. But to be fair, if I'm honest, it, the first time I went, it, it happened by accident, really. Because so me turning pro was, I'd never, up, up until I literally walked off the 18th green, I never contemplated turning pro. So I, I basically, when I won the British boys, it got me into a, an event. Um, like a, I think it was the Duke of York Young Champions Trophy or something in Scotland um, that winter or something or at the end of the season and they had a guest speaker so there was like people from all like amateurs that had won or junior amateurs that had won loads of things from around the world South Africa Australia unit but they had like a guest speaker which was Ali Forsyth who was a professional at the time and he said you know just asking a few questions and someone said to him like what's tour school like and he said oh I'll never forget, like he said, oh, you know, I've been to tour school three times. I got through on a third time. He said, like, um, you know, tour school's a, a tough gig. You know, like the first time I went, I didn't feel like I was ready, but I wanted to go and see what it was all about. You know, I, I learned definitely steps and things about what I needed to do over, you know, 14 rounds of golf, I think it is. Is it 14 rounds of golf? Yeah, 14 rounds yeah, of golf. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, to get through and he said like I wasn't prepared the first time but it stood me in good stead for the second time and then the third time I got through so I'm sat there as a 17 year old lad and I'm thinking well if he's been there done it you know he must be talking sense so you know fast forward a few years and it comes to I think it was winter 2010 or something it was and I'd had a pretty good year as an amateur and I'm like saying to my dad like dad I think I should go to tour school like you know it was like I'd won the British boys at Royal Aberdeen and the Walker Cup the following year was at Royal Aberdeen. So in my head, you know, I'd, I I played for the GB&I squad um, that was like, that isn't the Walker Cup. So they have the, uh, they have the St. Andrews Trophy, which is uh, every year that the Walker Cup isn't on sort of thing. So it was Walker Cup, St. Andrews Trophy. Um, so I played that squad. So stands, you know, I had a good chance of getting in the Walker Cup squad but and Walker Cup team. But I was like, Dad, I think, you know, I should go to tour school because... You know, I think I need to, you know, I've learned a lot about an amateur golf, but I think it'd be good to, you know, have a go and see if there's anything I can learn from it. So how old are you, how old are you then? I, was, I must have been 21 at this point. So my dad was like, well, it's a lot of money, so don't waste it kind of thing. So <laughs> I'm like, all right. So me, I bright eyed and bushy tailed. I'm like, wonderful, I'm off. New adventure. So I think I went to Dundonald first stage. And it was like Lynx Golf Course, right on my alley. I think I finished like fifth or something like that. Then I get Arcos Gardens second time around, which was, I was fortunate in that the, having been a member of an England squad, we'd had like under 18s training, under 21s, A squad and elite training all at Arcos Gardens. So it was like I played that golf course yeah. in the winter so much. So, I, you know, I knew it really, really well kind of thing. So again, turn up there not really any expectations of what I'm going to get through. If I, if I got through, great. If I didn't, I'm going back, playing another year of amateur, ready for the Walker Cup to turn pro for that. And there, uh, got through there, had a good last round, I think, get to final stage. And I'm like, wandering around. I'm like, swanning about, thinking this is great. I'm going on the tightless tour truck. I'm like, I've been on a tightless tour truck. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I'm getting me, mate. Come on, Chris. I think I got Chris Lloyd. I'm like, Lloydie, come on, we'll go on there together because I was like so nervous about going on. I thought it was going to be like this magical bus kind of thing. <laughs> Just a load of golf balls. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I'm like thinking it's great. I'm like two great golf courses to play. I'm there with my mate, we're having a laugh. And uh, you know, then I'm like wandering around and seeing these people that are there because they've had bad years. You know what I mean? They've The majority of people or majority of professionals that are there are there because they've not had a great year and they've lost the card or they've not got the card on challenge tour and stuff. So, you know, I went in like all excited, nothing to lose. Didn't feel like I was going to get through anyway. I'm just there thinking, well, everything I gain is experience for next year when I'm going to turn pro. And then I think I shot one, I think I shot two over one under the first two days and which was like nowhere. I'm like, I'm like towards the bottom. Go out the third round. I think I had an argument with my dad after dinner on the second day as well. Like, why? It's cost me a lot of money, this. And I'm like, hey, genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you know? Anyway, so kill me for saying that. Anyway, um, 
So then I go out the third day and I think, I remember, I think I old like, I played with Matthew Southgate and another lad who had played with him in the second, at second stage. So I knew him well, or I felt comfortable. And then I, I just, I remember going out, I think I, I think I birdied the, I, did a, I think I parred the first and then hold like an 80 footer on the, on the second hole, which was not uncommon for me at that time because it was quite a good putter. And then it literally just set like, I just went, I was, we were playing the hardest, harder golf course because it's two golf courses. And I just shot, I think I shot seven under and was like, well, that was easy kind of thing. And then went out the next day and shot six under on the easy golf course. And all of a sudden I went from like nowhere to like, I think I was in like fifth position or something. And it's like, all of a sudden my dad had management companies coming up to him saying, can we have a meeting with you? Can we like take you to dinner? And I'm thinking, I've never spoke to a management company in my life. I'm like, walk a cups around the corner like what's going on and then yeah somehow I like I managed to shoot I think one under one over the last two days finished my amateur career with a stunning double bogey up the last day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really thought to me, for some some reason I, I at the time I used to hit a nice slingy draw kind of thing and then there's a back left hand pin on the 18th and I, I remember stood on the 18th on the 18th tee and I'm like obviously they had boards out saying what 25th or 30th place was at the time. So what you needed to get. I remember thinking, just don't be the only person to make a 10 down the last and not get European tour card. And uh, I got my drive off and I'm like, back left hand pin, I think I had like 185 or something. I'm like, I know, I'll let a cut five mine. I'm like, why would I hit a cut five mine? I can't <laughs> fade it. Money. But like in my head, I'm like, I'll be a hero here. Fade it into three foot, tap it in. And uh, double crossed it, duffed a ship, made double bogey. Thank you. <laughs> over the line anyway um but yeah and then that was it like i literally i walked in the scorers up and they were like well done do you want to turn pro and i was like well i suppose a better ad and then came out and was like dad i need your credit card again mate um so he <laughs> dropped a bit so that yeah, that was that was like me getting on tour kind of thing i didn't it kind of happened you know by accident and then they were like well do you want to go to south africa next week and i was like no do i heck but it's like looking back if that was with what I know now, I would have been straight on the plane kind of thing, but it's amazing how your life changes and how it pans out. Did you not go straight to South Africa? When was your first event? So, so literally, I could have, I think tour school finished on, say, like the Tuesday or the, no, uh, the Wednesday, and then I think I was flying home Thursday, and then I could have gone to South Africa the following week, which would have meant flying out on Sunday, and I was like, screw this. I'm like, I, I want to go celebrate here. I've just won, I've just got my card. Like, I'll have loads of time after Christmas to play. So, nah, screw it. I don't, I don't even know what day of the week it is yet, kind of thing. But, like, in subsequent years when I got it and they were like, do you want to go to South Africa? I was like, yeah, I'll be there, kind of thing. But it, it's, again, it's like, looking back, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself in for. It was like, to me, it was just like, I'm going to go and play an event, see what happens, and I'll figure it out after that. But I literally went thrusting right into the deep end with no literally no when i look back at how little i knew about playing professional golf it's frightening like i think to myself what on earth was i doing man like i should have done some more like i should have known more about it's like going for a job interview and turning up and not even knowing what the job was about <laughs> like, but there you go but yeah it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey anyway yeah, so just touch on some of your finishes you had the second in the russian open uh, in yeah. Eighth in there, here we go, Andalusian. Andalusian. Yeah, so that was, that was, um, yeah, that was 2018, I think that was. I think yeah. I had a seventh in the European Open in 2018 as well. And then... Twelfth at the yeah. Golf National as well. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been... It's not... When I was young growing up with dreams and aspirations, writing down, like... I remember writing a letter to golf manufacturers saying I'm going to going to be the world number one and stuff it was like my career has not panned out as i expected it to um there's been some interesting trips to like kazakhstan and stuff which certainly weren't <laughs> the, uh, they weren't in the plan but it's like anything you you never know what life's going to throw at you and it's like um it's been i've enjoyed it kind of thing you know what i mean it's been it's been different but yeah yeah, so let's move on then to this week's event. So we're just going to touch on the Workday Championship at the concession. So Colin Morikawa won 18 under. Yeah. Some goal for that, that is. And then we had Hovland, Kepka and Hirsch, Horschel, sorry. Billy 15 Horschel. under, Billy Horschel. Some man. Like, I just want to touch on Hovland to start with. So this guy is like just 
for me, in my opinion, sort of popped up out of nowhere the last two years. That has been unbelievable. And then I, I posted on our Instagram, the the House Reading Good Walk Instagram, about his 18th hole on the Saturday or the Friday. Friday, and he made eight. Friday, yeah. he made an eight, and he's gone like one side of the green into the bunker, back out the back out the bunker to the other side of the green, back on, rolled off the green, like just so relatable. Yet he's still four under par, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, but but again, that's I mean that just shows, you know, it, it, other golfers would have made an eight and then would have shot like two over, three over, and finished fiftieth. But it just shows. A, the maturity of, of him, how when you're playing well, you're playing well, and you don't let, like I said, they don't let the bad shots that they've hit affect them when they're playing well. Yeah. And he just got on with it. And it's like, you know what I mean? When you, you know, he's obviously a great player. He's obviously enjoying his golf and stuff. And it's like, yeah, he made mistakes. And it's like, you know, it, the error was probably trying to play that, what, the first one out of the bush rather than dropping it and thinking, well, if I make a six, I make a six. But, you know, it's hard to argue with someone that's just finished second in a World Golf Championship. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy with hindsight to go, well, oh, if, if he would have done that, he would have been closer to Morikawa. And then you never know what Morikawa would have done. But when you're, when you're playing and things are going well, you know, you what was he at the time? Was he six under or seven under or something? Seven no. under, I think he was for the round. You don't think about what could go wrong kind of thing. That's what's got him to seven under. He's literally turned up, hit the golf shot. It's gone well. And he's hold the putt kind of thing. And he's just kept on doing that. Just kept trying to make good golf shots. And it's like, if you start thinking, oh, oh, well, if this happens and I do that and I end up back here and I make an eight, it's like, that's when you, you, you're done for kind of thing. And it's like that, what makes him a good player is the willingness to take risks. Yeah. If the stars align, he might make an eight. But, that's what makes him a young, exciting and great golfer that he is kind of thing. So it's, it's for me, whenever I see like, you know, commentators or people like saying, oh, he shouldn't have done that. It's like, until you've been in that situation and walked, you know, where they have, you can't, it's hard to argue with them because you're not playing. You don't think they're, they're not playing or they're not thinking about what could go wrong. They're only thinking about how the next, what, the next shot is and how what shot they're going to play. They don't think about what could go wrong. It's like where do I need to hit it to make a birdie kind of thing. It's like that's all they that's all they, they think about kind of thing. Yeah, Ryder Cup star. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like he's obviously very very good. You don't turn pro from nowhere. Win. Has he won two a couple of times now? Has he? Yeah. Um, and you know, B, is he fucked to 14th in the world or something? Um, something ridiculous. Like uh, it's like anything you hear him saying, oh, he's short game, needs work and stuff, but he's 14th in the world and he's like still so young. It's like, it's hard to argue with, it's hard to argue with anyone. It's like, it's easy to sit behind your microphone and go, oh, we used to do this and he used to do that. But, you know, you, ne- you never know. You just got to, you've got to take what's in front of you, enjoy the roller coaster that is professional golf. And just see what happens, kind of thing. But it certainly looks like his game is going to stand the test of time. You know, he drives it straight, drives it long enough. Iron plays good, puts well. I mean, if you were building a golfer, there's, you, you wouldn't go far wrong. From he looks pretty athletic too, doesn't he? Must yeah, be fair. A bit like myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've been hearing you. You're having some fitness, some fitness work, aren't we, mate? I don't know about that. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like an eighty-five-year-old in a thirty-year-old body before, but. So, I, think I'm down to, I think I'm up to 65 now, but there you go. <laughs> so let's just quickly touch on Colin Morikawa then. You mentioned him before. Yeah. Do you think he... So he's won the USO... Well, no, he's not. He's won the... USPGA. USPGA. And he's now won the first World Golf Championship for this year. Do you think he could be up there winning more majors, up there with DJ and the likes yeah. of that? Like I said before, I, I don't think... Although DJ is world number one, there is potentially like... 10, 15 players in the world that could fill that position and not look out of the depth with it. You know what I mean? I think, but that is, again, you look at it, it's, you, you look at the modern day players that are getting there now. It's like, they all hit it. You know, I, I see people like saying, oh, he's short. I was looking at his driving average before. He's hitting it 295 yards average. I mean, that is not short. It's, you know what I mean? It's just not short. It's just happens to be not as long as Bryson DeChambeau's in it. But, that is plenty long enough to compete, especially when you're hitting the percentage of fairways that he's hitting. 
you know, his iron play is unbelievable. And when he puts well, you might say, oh, well, he's putting, you know, he has his bad days, but it doesn't matter. You know, the, 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 the majority of professional golfers, they, they earn the most or they have all their good finishes in spells when they play well. And if, if he puts well, when he puts well, if that makes sense, he'll be fine. You know what I mean? It's like, he's 24, he's won four events. He's going to be around for a long time if he keeps doing the things that he's doing and nothing changes. And it's like, hats off to him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's unfair to, I think it's unfair as well to put pressure on him and say, is he going to, you know, beat Tiger's records or do anything like that? I think you've just got to play golf, see what happens. And at the end of the day, when all said and done, if you've done well, you've done well kind of thing. And there's that many good golfers that could do that. It's unfair to say, you know, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? There's, you know, there's so many good golfers. And he's one of them, you know what I mean? Okay, then. So, each week we ask uh, people that come on the pod to pick out a winner. Last week, Nat picked Matt Fitzpatrick. He finished tied 11th. Josh picked DJ, tied 54th. Terrible shout. That was quite safe, didn't I? Uh, Abraham (laughs) Answer from me, who finished tied 18th. Solid, solid solid-ish week. So, Arnold Palmer Invitational, Bay Hill. Uh, You've got Fowler, Fleetwood, Hatton, Harrington, Hovland playing. Um, second in the order of merit, you've got Wallace, Van Royen, Spieth, Day. Who are you going as this week's winner? I, so I want to pick a I, winner right. and someone to place. So well, I'll probably end up picking people that aren't even playing, knowing me. Um, so, but I'm going to sound like Roy Keane now because I, I, I've got to go with my mates, and I, you know, I mean, I can't. So, I think Fleetwood's done well in the past. There is he not? He did well there a couple of years ago, and did Pitsy finish second there last year as yeah. well? So I'm going to pick Tommy to win because I think he's, from what I've seen him playing of late, he's due a breakthrough. And I'll pick them too, if I can. Am yeah. I allowed to do that? Yeah, so of Tommy to win and Fitzpatrick to... to yeah, but watch this. Fitzy probably won't even be in the field now. And I'll be no, like, he, oh, is. he is. He's there. He's there. <laughs> right, well, I'll, go, I'll go with them too. I mean, it'd probably be horrendous shots. No, now that I've said it, they'll probably both miss the cut and I'll look like an idiot. Fitz, Fitzpatrick's been on some run, really. He's had some consistent performances in the last sort of like three or four weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, but I mean, again, it's like he's playing well and it's like, yeah, he's a good player. You know what I mean? It's like it, people go, oh, no, he doesn't hit far enough. He hits it plenty far enough. You know what I mean? It's like if you hit it and he hits, he hits it so straight as a joke. Like if he hits it in the fairway and plays his game, it goes back to knowing what you need to do week in, week out to give yourself the best chance of, of doing well. And it's not that if you do them things, you will you will do well. But it's like he he's he has figured out, certainly at this period in, like this moment in time, what he needs to do to keep playing well. So yeah, I hope he does play well anyway, because then I'll look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so go on Alex, who are you gonna choose for your top five and for a win this week? Do you know what? I'm gonna go a little bit of a curveball. Eric Van Royen. Oof. Got to win. To win. That's that's a big, big shout, that Alex. And I'm gonna go Day to finish top five. Yeah, to be fair, Jason Day is on a bit of a comeback. Again, it sounds weird, but it's like I almost feel like I'm rooting for Jason Day and feel sorry for him. I don't know why I feel sorry for him because he got more than you could ever need. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really sorry for him. But it's like a champion of millions in the bank. But he's obviously had a back injury and been plagued by injuries and stuff. So it's nice to see him playing well again. Mike, okay, who are you going with? So, I've had an absolute shocker last few weeks, and it's not very good at it, apparently. So, I'm going to go Hovland to win. Safe, safe, safe. Safe, exactly. I'm going to go, I'm going to back my man, as I always do, Big Bryson to finish top five. Shambles, he ain't finished anywhere. <laughs> Is he going to please make the cut? That's Victor and Bryson missing the cut there, anyway. Let, let, let's, <laughs> but Hatton, Hatton's defending champ, right? Yep. Like, could he go back to back if he's in playing? He's obviously playing some decent golf. Like, yeah, I, I sound like a broken record now, but I, for me, it's like there is out of a what's the field like size about 125 or yeah. 126 or something. Like, there's probably 120 people in that field that could win that tournament. You know what I mean? As daft as that sounds, it's like people that are playing in these events, they're all good players and all you know. It, it's no surprise when you hear of people that are relatively unheard of spring up and win because they're good players. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just that they haven't, you know, got that bit of luck or they've not rode that, you know, wave of good play kind of thing at the right time. But it's like, there's so many good play players that can win at any given moment. 
like it's no surprise when anybody wins kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like and the strength and depth now, like throughout both tours. Frightening. frightening. Just... Absolutely frightening. So on that note, if you're um, a young pro right now, yeah. what's like the one piece of advice you would give them? I know you mentioned like you, you felt that you were, weren't ready or didn't know anything about I mean, uh, pro golf. From like mistakes that I'm, not that I made, but it's like, I felt like where I went, not that I went wrong, but it's like, I, I felt like I never, I was good enough to compete at what was in front of my eyes at that moment in time. So like, I was good enough when I was younger to compete and play against like in the tournaments that I was well, and that's why I did well. And, and for all intents and purposes, I always progressed. You know, I went, I won at boys level. I did well at men's level. I got my tour card and stuff, but it was almost like I never fully pushed myself to like cover every single base. And, and, you know, I was fortunate to be part of, you know, like England training and stuff like that. And it was like, you were spoon fed information. And it was like, you sort of, even if you didn't want to pay attention to that information, you took some of it in, but it was like, I never went out and was like, right, what do I need to do for me? What, what, what is my DNA as a golfer? What do I do well? Do I drive it long, but offline? Do I need to practice my wedges? Do I need to improve my putting? You know, what, what is the, what is my best way of getting around a golf course? And then how do I, how do I stay on, stay as keeping them as my strengths, but how do I also improve my weaknesses? You know, like I have, I never, and I still don't hit it completely far enough to, you know, compete. And that's something that I'm always trying to get better, whether that go to the gym or, you know, speed training and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, I, I never went out and tried to hit it further when I was younger because yeah. I was like, well, I keep doing all right kind of thing. Yeah. But in the meantime, like people that, the ultimate goal of where I wanted to get to, people were hitting it further. And now it would have stood me in good stead had I worked at that and taken what people had said on board, you know, look after yourself, go to the gym, even if it's not for strength. Like, again, I listen, like, I'm digressing again here, but I like, I remember my first year on tour sitting in an air, sitting in Malaga airport. So I played with, I think it was after my fourth event. I'd done well, I played played with David Owl in the last round of like the Spanish Open or something like that. And um, I was I actually had a chance of doing like really, really well. I think I was in like third at one point. I had a bit of a bad finish, finished like 13th or something. And then um, played with David Owl. And then we were getting a chartered flight to Morocco after that. So I'm sat in the airport. David Owl comes, sits down, waiting for this flight. And uh, my mate was carrying for me. And he's like saying, have you got any advice, David? And he's like, Matt, I promise you, if there's anything that I can tell you is go to the gym, even if it's just for injury prevention, like, you know, as you get older, your body will start getting stiffer, blah, blah, blah. You know, just do some gym work now, even if it's just for prevention. And I remember sitting there thinking, nah, you don't know what you're talking about, David. Like, I'm like, my body, I'm like, I can roll out of bed and I'm like, spaghetti man you know what i mean i'm like super flexible it's never gonna let me down don't you worry about it son yeah you, you your glasses yeah your back's made of glass mine ain't don't worry about it boy <laughs> and then 10 years later i'm like why didn't i listen to david al why didn't i just listen to them people like because you know it catches up with you and stuff like that so it's like for me it's like i always say to people it's like you should never st no matter how good you get you should never stop trying to get better and never stop pushing yourself to cover all bases and and you know sit down and think right is that good enough am i doing this well enough where can i improve kind of thing because you know even the best 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 players in the world you know i i'm fortunate that i've grown up with tommy and you know get to see tommy practice and stuff that he does away from golf courses he is so methodical with how he goes about his game and it's like when he turns up at an event, he's ready to play. He's done all his work and stuff. And it's like nothing is left to chance. He's chipping, he's putting, his, his workouts, you name it, is done. And it's like it's boxed off before he gets to an event. So it's like I have given myself the best chance to do well this week. Yeah. It's like I can't do any more. I'm not searching on a Wednesday night for like where's this swing thought? Oh, I can't do this. You know, there'll be times where you lose a bit of feel and you maybe do that. But as a general rule, it's like he's done everything and he's always looking to, you know, improve and how can he improve? And he's one of the best players in the world. You know what I mean? It's like when you see that, 
you know, somebody that driven and that, you know, good kind of thing, it makes you think, oh, I really need to try me, you know, my knackers off here. Mm, yeah. So what what's next for you, Matt, then? What, what's on the horizon? No oh, goal. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, it's been a bit of a weird sort of year kind of thing uh, coming up for a year. Like, I, I sort of lost my card at the end of 2009. 2009, I can't even remember what year we're in now. So I think I lost I lost my card or playing rights for the European Tour, but I still got a, a, a somewhat of a challenge tour ranking. So obviously last year I literally didn't play any sort of professional golf as such. I played the odd one day event and stuff, but sort of just try to you know as I sort of use the time to sort of reflect on what I'd done well in my career. You know if I still was enjoying it, what I wanted to do, kind of thing. Um, but it's like you know I still love playing golf. I still you know, want to compete kind of thing. And it's like, I'm just trying to use that time, like I said, to go over things and improve on like my plan. What can I do better? How can I get the best out of myself? What do I need to do day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out to make myself better? Because it's like, you know, people, people as well only see, you know, they see someone go from, you know, not playing well to playing well, you know, like Jordan Spieth and stuff. He's obviously started playing a bit better. And it's like, oh, he must be doing something different. It's like, that's a, it's a, to get into a position where you're playing well is accumulation of months and months of work doing the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out, and trusting that that plan is working kind of thing. But you have to sit down and figure out what that plan is in order to get better kind of thing. So I feel like it's, you know, certainly toward the more we get closer to back being able to play golf again, it's like I need to be in a position where, and hopefully I will be, that I'm ready to compete uh, when I get an opportunity to play. And I think, you know, hopefully I'll get some some events on the Challenge Tour this year. I'll probably play some Euro Pro just to sort of keep myself playing. And then, yeah, see, obviously if you play well, good golf solves all problems and stuff. So yeah. I feel like if I do the right things for me and I can play my, the golf that I know that I can play, then I feel like I can get back to, you know, the European Tour and, and sort of, Give myself a good chance of doing well out there again. Excellent. Thank you. Class. Well, wish the best of luck, pal. Yeah, like, absolutely. How many? When? When do you think the challenge tour season's going to start? Have you been told anything? Yeah, well, so obviously, I think there's a provision. Well, I think it's like anything. It's a it's, it's a strange one to know. I think there's there's some at the end of April and one in May. I hope I'm not incriminating myself here by saying things. Sign disclosure form on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, oh well, sue me. But um. <laughs> Uh, so I think there's some there but again it's like I think with everything that's going on and I think some things will change and maybe have to move around a little bit but yeah I think it'll start I don't think I'll play an event before May anyway but by which point hopefully the world is in a bit better uh, a bit safer yeah fingers crossed so I think that wraps up Tour Trash Talk for this week so let's go on to Tech Talk so what we normally do here is we discuss gear things like that but Something a little bit different this week. So I've seen a video of a certain waft, with, <laughs> with which would be put it this way: it's a golf perv's heaven. So, yeah, so and that uh, is the biggest golf perv you've ever met. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so was fortunate like to move in uh, like my first home sort of uh, two years ago now. So two thousand beginning of two thousand nineteen and. Like, I've been in a very fortunate position since the age of about, I think, 16 or 17, so that I haven't paid for a golf club since then. And it's like I've had great support from Ping, Titleist and Callaway, you know, especially of late um, that have helped me out. And certainly I wouldn't have been able to achieve, you know, what I have done in professional golf without their support. You know, you need help with anything, you know, even getting, you know, the minutest sort of advantage from something like that is massive kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and I'm like, sort of, I am very OCD about my golf <laughs> course. Sort of Just people. a little. Yeah, no, yeah. So, and they were all scattered around, sort of. They started in my mum and dad's garage for ages. And then my dad was like, you've got your own house. I'm sick of this. You know, my garage, I want rid of them kind of thing. And then somewhere at my nan's house kind of thing. So... I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I haven't got a garage. So if you board my loft out, it took a lot of persuasion and did cause an argument this, to be fair. <laughs> um, if you if you board my loft out, I'll 
get rid of, you can have your garage back kind of thing. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's only some more work for me. I do you yeah, do exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'm a very good negotiator. Just, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so he boarded my loft out. And um, yeah, it was it, it was a strange one because I didn't really, I didn't really realise how much stuff I actually had because when it's kind of scattered around and under things and whatever, you kind of like forget what you've, you've sort of been, what you've had and, and sort of how much stuff you've got. But, it took me about three trips to get everything here and then cleaned everything and sort of yeah, putting it sort of in order and, and sort of the tour bags and stuff together was um, and just sitting there and thinking, cough, you know, I've actually been at this quite a while to be fair. It's um, it is a nice, a nice, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture so you can show oh, it. Lovely. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, put it on the, we'll put it on the Instagram. It's, it's, if I get burgled though, I know where I'm going. <laughs> We won't put the address, don't worry. Yeah, yeah exactly. But but just yeah, to, it's, it's a cool thing. Like, it's not to be fair. It, it, this sounds really sad now, but I do like to just sit there and just look at it and just think. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Oh, God. wow. <laughs> it's, like, it's all rock and roll over here, man. Like, <laughs> I Alex showed me the little video you sent him, and my first reaction was, "Oh my God!" Like that is like the dream for any Some golfer. collection of ones. There's like yeah, there's like a load of an unbelievable collection of putters. You've got three or four tour bags in the video that I'd seen just f- with full sets in. I'm thinking, Christ, like, that is unbelievable. Yeah, but but the, the, the strange thing is, is that that's like, compared to other people out there, you know, like, it's nothing. You know what I mean? I remember being at like, like Westwood literally gave so much stuff back to Ping when he moved to America. It's like, it filled like the warehouse almost, you know I mean? One of the rooms in the warehouse, it's like, you know, I've been a pro, what's that, 40, 15 years of, like, getting clubs and stuff. And it's not all there. It's, like, you know, things that you give away to charity and stuff like that. But it's, like, you know, I feel fortunate to have, still have the majority of my stuff, sort of, and have it in one place kind of thing. But, yeah, like, other people have got three times the amount that I've got and don't know what to do with it kind of thing. But it's, uh, I'm happy with mine anyway. Yeah. So my, I don't know if you, you might not be able to answer this from a sponsorship point of view, oh. but my my next question would be, what is the best set of clubs, irons, drive, whatever you want to, what is the best set of clubs you've ever had, you ever used, or you think you've ever used? Ever, I don't, well, I mean, to be fair, this sounds like, this really sounds like I am plugging my sponsors here, but like the driver that I've got now is... Brand uh, new Callaway Epic driver with <laughs> <laughs> I am on so I was fortunate enough Callaway still helped me out and stuff we'll get that in there but and uh, they are a great company to be involved with but so they gave me I've got a Maverick Max which is obviously the draw biased sort of handicap aimed version of that driver and they sent it me last year and I absolutely love it it is unbelievable to be fair <laughs> I can hit it out the heel. I can hit it out the toe, which I do quite often. I can hit it out the <laughs> and it just goes some. It just goes in play, and I'm like, "Where have you been all my life?" It's like, if I had this driver like three years ago, I probably wouldn't be sat here talking to you two. But there you go. I see big time for the podcast. No, yeah, exactly. Really getting a bit carried away with myself. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- that's. I think it's like anything. You can't. It, it would be ignorant for me to sit here and say all one brand is the best of everything. But I think it's like you work hard, and this is where I sort of there's a fine line when you get sort of you're in a fortunate position and that you can get manufacturers to help you out and tweak this and tweak that. There's a fine line between getting the right amount of sort of doing the right amount of tinkering that is good and healthy for you so that you can get something that is feels good and feels right and then just looking for something that just doesn't exist like when I first got on tour I was in the ping truck every single week like literally can you change this can you change that can I paint painting stuff I was obsessed with painting my golf clubs I don't know why it didn't make me play any better and probably had the opposite effect but I had to look but it's like you, I sort of got carried away but then you sort of you realize sort of what you need and, and I'm a I'm a strange player in that like I don't really know what I like in a golf club but I know what I don't like in a golf club. So if you give me a golf club and I put it down, 
I probably know within the first, well, from putting it down, whether I'm going to be, at, whether I'm going to like it or not. And I think you can ask a lot of golf clubs. And and Ian Dryden from Callaway always says, the best club that you make for someone is a golf club that you make for someone else. So someone comes in at a tour truck and they're like, pick someone else's club up and they go, that's nice. Can I have a go at that? Let them hit it. And then they end up loving it kind of thing. So it's hard work to try and find a set of golf clubs that are perfect for you. And I don't think you ever do find, you know, things that are perfect for you. And, and I think sometimes just because it's new doesn't mean it's better. I've found fallen foul of that so many times. It's like, oh, it's new. I'll play with that kind of thing. <laughs> and you change for, for the sake of it where it's not changing better. But I've really gone there politically correct. I was going to say, yeah. you're a great politician. You're only doing that. You're living up to the nickname, aren't you? No, no. I mean, Boris ain't got nothing on me. But um... <laughs> So give us a bloody answer. Best set. Best, so you want the best? I don't know. I think I, I'd probably the go... The Callaways you're using now, isn't it? No, well, it's probably the set of Callaways I had in 2018. Like, I had Rogue Driver, 3-wood, Epic 5-wood, Set of X forged eight teams, which I'm still using now. To be fair, been through four sets of different clubs to go back to them ones now. Uh, Mac Daddy fours, and then Marksman Potter. I was always good with that part. To be fair, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'll I'll throw that out there. Excellent, lovely. Oh, I wish I, I wish I'd I'd like to point out. I wish I was good enough to use blades because blades are little. Some of the sets of blades that are out there just look like they they should be wall art, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, I ain't good enough to hit them, so they have to stay in the catalogue, don't they? You and me both. And me. Let me throw myself <laughs> in that category as well. Oh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the pod, mate. Really appreciate yeah, it's it. it's been class. Thank you, boys. Absolutely. Yeah, I can keep talking, but I'm sure everyone's falling asleep by just, now. You've just got to wind him up and let him go, everybody. <laughs> but, guys, thanks for listening to episode 17 of How to Ruin a Good Walk. Don't forget, we'll be back at the same time next Wednesday. See you next week.